0: Hi friends, it's great that you've been able to join us today. Murray in his message last week asked the question, who am I when the teacher leaves the room? And then he challenged us through the scriptures to say, Jesus, the master teacher, has given us all authority to go into the world and to make disciples and to teach them all things, to be engaged in his mission in the world. And yet, as we found from Hebrews last week, so often we still need to be fed with milk rather than with solid food. And yet, if ever there is a time for the church to stand up in our world, it's now. If ever there's a time for us as God's church to illustrate to the world around us how to live lives that are free of anxiety in this anxious world, it is now. We're here in the middle of our series on Faithful God. And I want to ask the question, we know that God is a faithful God, but for us, are we a faithful people? Are we people filled with faith? And if we are filled with faith, how is that expressed in the way that we live our lives day by day? For example, are we joining the panic shoppers each and every day in our supermarkets? Are our minds constantly focused on the fear of what could happen? Are our minds focused on ourselves rather than the opportunities that this pandemic brings to minister to myself? I'm going to struggle to speak hope into those around about me. And the second question is this. How can God use me even today in the lives of others because opportunities abound in a world that is anxious and in these turbulent times? So the first one, how can I live a life free from anxiety? Well, we need to remember, firstly, that God's desire for us is to experience his peace. That's why Jesus came. Jesus brought peace, but more than peace. Jesus is peace. He is our peace. That's what the scripture says. He is our peace, and he's broken down the dividing wall that existed between God and man. That's why Jesus came. His death on the cross His sacrifice on the cross for our sin was that so we might make our peace with God. That's how it happened when the angels heard suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. Right there when Jesus came, it was all about bringing peace to those who would make their peace with God. And that's available to each one of us through Jesus Christ. And so there is an element of personal peace in the peace that God wants to bring. But God wants to bring us more than personal peace. God wants to bring peace to our world. And that's why Isaiah could prophesy, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government, and peace, there will be no end. What an amazing prophecy that was. Well, we might say, well, hang on a minute, where's this peace? Well, the kingdom of God is here. When Jesus started his earthly ministry, he said, the kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus' coming ushered in that kingdom, and our job as his church is to keep proclaiming his reign and his rule throughout this earth. And there's going to come a time when Jesus will come back again and rule this earth, a new new earth, with his peace. And that's what we look forward to. That's why Jesus could say, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, I do not give to you as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And so we are safe, you are safe. We don't need to live in anxiety because the God who promised to bring us peace One thing we've learnt through this series is that God is faithful to his promise. And what he said he will do, he will do. How can I live a life free from anxiety? Well, the second way is to remember that the COVID-19 pandemic is only temporary. It will pass. I love the interview this last week, and you might have seen it, with a 93-year-old lady that was born in Czechoslovakia. Her name was Olga Horak. And she was 14 when the Second World War broke out. So by the the time she was 14, she'd already lived through the Great Depression. And then in 1944, she was taken by the Nazis into a concentration camp in Auschwitz. At the end of the war, when she was released, she weighed just 29 kilograms. Can you believe it? 29 kilograms. And so this lady who had experienced so much of life was interviewed and was asked, what do you think about the coronavirus? And she said this, it won't last forever. After rain comes sunshine, and it will be nice again. What an amazing, what an amazing reflection. Here's this lady that had lived right through the Great Depression and served time in a concentration camp, and they were her profound words. And look, you can go and have a look at that uh, stream. You'll find it. Just type in Olga Horak, um coronavirus don't do it now because we've still got a lot to get through on this live stream but it's a fascinating 90 second interview with a lady that had experienced a whole lot of different seasons of life she now knew what it was like this is only temporary there are better days coming the apostle paul put it this way for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all and so we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. The world has had a, a series of tragic epidemics and pandemics down through its history. And a lot's been written about the Spanish flu over the last weeks and even months. And the Spanish flu was something that raged throughout our world right at the end of World War I and through into 1919. And it took many lives. Even here in Australia, there were 13,000 deaths out of a population of 5 million people. And if you extrapolate that out, uh, pro rata, that's the equivalent to about 65,000 people dying today in our own country. Staggering statistics. And similar to today, Australian schools were closed, sporting events were cancelled, worshippers stayed away from church State borders were closed and the east coast of Australia was effectively separated from the west coast and things came to a standstill which was a challenge for a federation that was still not even 20 years old. My great-grandmother and great-grandfather, I had heard they'd lost three small children around that time and I had thought that it might be related to the Spanish flu but I, find out, I found out that it was all related to a measles epidemic that had swept through Australia. So here was Australia struggling with the end of, of World War I and then the Spanish flu in 1919 and then in 1920 through uh, Australia and, and particularly in Sydney there was a measles epidemic and my great-grandparents lost a child on the 17th of December 1920 and another one on the 19th of December 1920 And another one, not quite three weeks later, on the 10th of January 1921. And then there was a little bright element into their world. A bright ray of sunshine When on the 12th of January 1921. My great-grandmother gave birth to another child. And so here were my grandparents who had actually buried three children, including uh, twins who were then five years of age, and then given birth to another child, all in the space of three weeks. I'm sure they too are rejoicing that there would be sunshine in their lives. And indeed there was. They raised many children and I'm the product of uh, what is a very large tribe of that extended family. Olga Horek's words are so true. It won't last forever. After rain comes sunshine and it will be nice again. We need to take that to heart in all the anxious thoughts that come to us to recognise that this is only temporary. How can I live a life free from anxiety? The third thing we can do is to remember God's promises that even in the hardest times of life, God is both present and provider of all we need. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. That lovely psalm, David's psalm, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, or I shall not want. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. The hard times of life, I have found, are often the times when our character is most refined and when our spiritual walk with God is at its closest. And I know that from personal experience. Um, a little over 30 years ago, um, as a result of a, a knee reconstructive surgery, I developed a, a deadly staph infection. And I remember what it was like three weeks after hospitalisation and after rehab, I'd come home. We were, I was waking up at night and the bed was absolutely saturated. Had these night sweats and fever. And night after night, Lynn and I have to get up in the middle of the night and uh, change uh, the bed sheets. And I thought it was all just part of the rehabilitation. People had told me that knee reconstructive surgery and the rehabilitation was uh, a long process. And so night after night, I'd wake up with these night sweats. I didn't even want to go to sleep because I knew that I'd wake up in a pool of sweat, uh, in a fever. So they rushed me off to hospital and put me a drip on a drip, and they're pumping fluids into me. At the same time that was happening, there were fluids flowing out my rear end, and I'm not going to go any further into that. Uh, I don't want to upset your morning or your evening. But over that period of time, over that two weeks, I lost two and a half stone, equivalent to 16 kilograms of weight in two weeks. It was the most effective weight loss scheme I have ever seen, but not one that I'd recommend at all. And I found myself by then lying in hospital saying, Lord, where are you? Where are you in all this? I've been crying out to you. I've been looking for you in all of this. Then the Lord directed me to Psalm 77 which was a great comfort to me. And it was, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. I stretched out untiring hands and I would not be comforted. And then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand, I'll remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I'll remember the miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and I'll meditate on all your mighty deeds. And as I lay in that hospital bed, I meditated on who God was. This God that was with me in the hospital, the spirit of God that dwelt my heart, the same God who actually took the Israelites out of, the, uh, out of Egypt, the same God who had parted the waters of the Red Sea, And then later parted the waters of the Jordan so they could go and take possession of the the promised land. The same God who had raised people from the dead as Jesus roamed and walked doing and preaching, doing good and preaching. This was the same God who restored sight to the blind and allowed the lame to walk. And that was the God I was meeting with at that moment in the hospital. And that was something that significantly changed my mind and my heart. And it changed the way I focused on life because I found God there in a way I'd never, ever found him before. That's why I know, friends, as we go through the hard times of life, they can be the most amazing times in terms of our spiritual growth and the development of our character. This time in our history, COVID-19, could well be one of the most significant times for you personally and in the life of your family. And I'd encourage you to embrace it, not to be anxious about it, because God wants to use any of those difficult times of life to grow us and to increase our dependency on him. How can I live a life free from anxiety? Well, the fourth point is this. We need to remember that this world is not all there is. For all of us, Life on this earth will one day come to an end. This world is not our home. The Bible tells us to live as aliens and strangers in this land, and yet we battle because we want to put our roots down and we want to dig them deep and we want to we operate like this is the only, only world that exists. And yet God has something far better. And there's going to can't be a day that will come when all things are made new. And Jesus returns, as I mentioned earlier, to rule this earth and to rule this earth in peace, our future is assured. Our call by God right now in the midst of this is to trust and obey and to recognise that his plan is perfect, our future is assured. We don't need to be anxious because there'll come a time when he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain because the old order of things will have passed away. Lynn and her brother and sister, so Lynn, my wife, for those that don't know, um, her brother and her sister today had to commit her mum into palliative care. And Jean, a lovely mother-in-law, you're not meant to like your mother-in-law, are you? But I love this lady. And uh, she's just been admitted to palliative care and expected only to live a few more days. And yet, we're not anxious about that. Five years ago, Jean gave her life to the Lord Jesus Christ. At the ripe old age of 85, she accepted the Lord as her saviour. And so we know that her future is assured. There's nothing for her to worry about. There's nothing for us to be anxious about. God has her in the palm of his hand. So I want to move on to the second question for today. And that is, how can God use me now in this world In all the anxiety, how can God use me now? I love that passage from Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. I'm not going to read the rest of that just now. We really don't have a lot of time left. But I just want to concentrate on those last few verses. As I saw those images of people panic buying in the supermarket, of those engaged in fights, fist fights even, all about toilet paper, of a man that in the last 48 hours has been arrested for armed robbery with a knife. What did he flog? Toilet paper. And I see these types of things, and when I first saw it, I was enraged, I was really angry angry. I was thinking, you selfish, selfish, selfish people, can't you see if you only took enough for yourself and even a little bit more, there'd be enough left for everybody. We're not a nation that's going to run out of things. But then after I'd cooled down a little bit, a deep sadness filled my heart. Because what we were witnessing and what we continue to witness are people who are captive, they're almost as captive as people that spend are spending their lives sadly behind bars and perhaps more captive because these people that are involved in panic buying and the anxiety of captive to worry, they're captive to anxiety, they're captive to fear, they are people controlled by panic, and they are people despairing for their future. How they need to know that there's a God who loves them, how they need to know. Jehovah Jireh, God, their provider, how they need to know that God has plans to prosper them and not to harm them, that God's plans for them are plans for a hope and a future. Friends, what those supermarket images have shown us is over this past month is that we as Christians need to stand up and to live in our world expressing the hope that Jesus has given us. And historically, in times of pandemic, that is exactly what the church has done. I read this last week of the church um, experience uh, during the plague of AD 249 to 262 when Western civilization was devastated by one of the deadliest pandemics in its history. The city of Rome lost an estimated 5,000 people per day at the height of that pandemic. In that, over that 12-year period, it's estimated that 25 million people lost their lives, being one-third of the continent. And it was during this time the Christian church stood up, and according to Dionysius, he wrote, Most of our brother Christians have shown unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of the danger, they took charge of the sick attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. And with them departed this life serenely happy, for they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbours and cheerfully accepting their pains. It's amazing, isn't it? That's the rich history that we have as Christians, selfless givers who want to give, They're all for their fellow Christian brother, but also for those not yet Christians. And down through the ages, through these types of pandemics, when the church has stood up, we see two things happen. People recognise that we are Christians because of our love for one another and our care for one another. And the second thing that happens is that not yet Christians respond to the gospel and turn to follow Jesus en masse because it's something they just cannot resist. And so if we are to impact our world in the midst of this pandemic, how do we do that? We don't have people dying in the streets. We've, we're amazingly blessed with an amazing hospital system and very dedicated medical staff. And we're also called to be socially responsible. So how can we do that? Well, the first thing we can do is to pray. Pray. And Richard and Kerry have prayed for us uh, earlier in our service. They've prayed over this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. They've prayed that God would stop it. And they've prayed a whole lot of other things around that pandemic and our response to it. And they've also prayed for Scott Morrison and for uh, Gladys Berejiklian and for Greg Hunt, what it takes to be a leader in our country today and indeed throughout the world we need to pray for our leaders. And so we need to keep praying, pray without ceasing. Then we need to be a people who lived with peace and calm in this world of anxiety. Might all our conversation be turned around to the hope that we have with Jesus, whoever we're speaking to, our friends and our neighbours. Might we speak of the hope that we have in order that that conversation might come around to the source of and the foundation of our hope which is Jesus. Friends, resist the temptation to be panicked into hoarding and panic shopping. And then we need to take our hygiene measures seriously. We need to wash our hands well, to practise physical distancing or social distancing, as they call it. We need to self-isolate. And we need to take that seriously so that we don't jeopardise the lives of others. And we do know that not everyone in this pandemic is at equal risk. So there are the risk to the elderly. And I read a report that puts me in that category. I never thought I'd say that was the day that I fell into a category called elderly. But one of the reports said that. I'm resisting that as best I can. But then there are those that are also susceptible, those with low immune systems, those that have respiratory illnesses like asthma. Friends, take care of yourselves. Don't put yourselves at risk. Don't try to be a hero rescuing everyone else. God has given you a family to care for you and we'll do the best we can to care for you. Then we can support local businesses. Local businesses that are still engaged, while they still haven't been closed down at the next stage of closures, we've got people that have uh, worked long and hard to establish their businesses. And what we know is there are going to be three types of crises that emerge out of this. The first one is a health crisis, the second one is an economic crisis and the third one is a mental health crisis. And so we can, as best we are able to support our local businesses that are open now, build up friendships and make sure that we can, through our support, ensure that those businesses are still going to be going when this pandemic passes. Perhaps you can join our list of care callers, what's that? Well, now that we can't meet physically together each Sunday, we want to be a church that encourages one another. Morris and Claire are delighted to be forming a, a group of care callers and their whole responsibility is going to be ringing the people associated with our church, checking up to see how we're going, um, to pray over the different needs we have, to be aware of what those needs are and to list those down and to seek to help where we can. We want to be a church that continues to support one another, even though we can't meet physically together. And as Morris and Claire ring up and find out what those practical needs are, we want to establish a practical helps group. So, for example, there might be some people that aren't able to watch this live stream the way you are watching it today because they don't know how to set that up technically. And so we can offer advice over the phone or perhaps even a visit in a socially distanced way. There might be other older people Um, who don't want to get out or can't get out. And we want to have a team that will go and do their shopping and take that shopping and leave it on their doorstep. And we'll find other practical ways that we can stand beside each other in this time and to encourage one another as the body of Christ. Then the final way that we can be engaged is for us to still engage in our regular tithes and offerings. Our doors of this church might be closed but the mission of this church goes on. And friends, the mission that we've got now in this environment is greater than it was before this pandemic started. And so we want to encourage you to keep on giving generously into the work of our church here. For those that used to give cash offerings and were no longer having services, we want to encourage you to uh, get online and to establish a, a direct giving, a way of doing that. If you need help with that, you can ring our church office and talk to Mary or for Wendy. There'll be those that want to continue to give in cash because you don't trust the banking system or you haven't got that set up. And uh, members of our accounts team would be happy to come around and to collect your envelope and to do that with all confidentiality. Friends, we just want to encourage you in every way to keep meeting as a fellowship together. Who knows where God's going to take us? And who knows what God's going to do in these challenging times. But what I do know is we often sing a song. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Saviour. Friends, now is the time to lean deeper into God to cast all your care on him because he cares for you and not to be anxious in anything, but through prayer and supplication to make your request known to God, to lean in and ask God who you can stand beside in this uh, anxious time of our world, to encourage them, particularly those not yet Christians who need to know the faith that you have and I have in Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Our Father God, we we pray that you would deepen our trust in you. Right in the middle of this pandemic, we declare our faith in you. And we ask that during this time you would grow us both individually and as a church together. And that, Father, during this time we will see many who don't yet have a relationship with you come to understand your amazing love and your care for them. Because we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.